everybody to another episode of Overdue Rentals, the show where we talk about films that maybe got passed over when they first came out. Maybe they were massive award winners, just nobody talk about them anymore. I'm Matthew Shuckman. And I'm Mike Reyes from Cinema Blend. And today we are joined by our friend, colleague, Renaissance man, host and creator of the YouTube channel, The Week I Review, Alec Kubris Meyer. Oh, hi. How's it going, folks? I, I, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, as as I was saying before, and I know you don't like me saying this, I am a very unimportant person, and I appreciate <laughs> being the first uh, first one of those two guests on your uh, lovely little program here. He's he's very important, very important <laughs> to all of us. Very humble, large. <laughs> here. He's I wouldn't for, I wouldn't sound as good as I do right now if it wasn't for Alec. That is true. That is true. I did help uh, I did help him uh, with the acquisition of the audio uh, input <laughs> device he is currently using. So I guess. Oh, I guess... that friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> and but more importantly, we're here to today to talk about the 1998 German film. Run Lola Run, as it was known here in the U.S., or Lola Rent, which is Lola Runs in, uh, in in German. Run Lola Run is a was the highest grossing film in Germany in 1998, and it is the story of a woman named Lola, played by Franca Potente, who, after receiving a phone call from her boyfriend Mani, needs to come up with a hundred thousand Deutschmarks before noon. This is a 20 minute time period that repeats in three different scenarios where the slightest variation can have the gravest of consequences. And no matter which scenario you watch or which scenario you favor, everything changes. Her life will never be the same. And that's why I love this movie. Ah, oh, just, I, I really am surprised it took us this, it, well, it took us this long to put it on the list, but also yeah. it, it is an overdue rental. It's, it's exactly, it's like the perfect example because when this film came out, it was everywhere. Everybody was talking about it, whether it was on the street, whether it was film critics on your TV, it was, it was parodied everywhere. The Simpsons were, were bringing it in. You know, everybody knew about this film. And I don't know how many people know about it now or even remember it at this point. And yet somehow it got a Phineas and Ferb parody too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess you could kind of say that it, it, it's overshadowed by Groundhog Day in a sense, because that's, this is technically, technically in, in adjacent to a time loop. Because as we'll get into when we discuss the film, there, there's some real arguments that can be made about this being a, a, a time loop versus just Clue, where it's three different endings, three different scenarios. But... I, again, like this is this was something that just blew people away, and I'm also surprised slash happy this never became an American remake. Like the most I've seen for a remake is there's apparently going to be a a Hindi Bollywood film that's going to be released in October, and that's kind of cool. I'm I'm for that, but you, you know the type of remake I'm talking about though, like. The the um, the stock American remake where like you know this is two thousand one uh, maybe they would have cast Shannon Elizabeth and Chris Klein in this uh, I'm trying to think of who would play the dad uh, you you know what I'm talking about though this would have been like a cheapo Miramax Richard Jenkins Richard oh now see now that we've thrown Richard Jenkins in here I'm all of a sudden upset that it didn't happen because he would he so would have been the dad I mean honestly it should have been if it was Hugo Weaving would you even notice Okay, that's another good. Yeah, and point. then Richard Jenkins is the guard. 
No, okay. Richard Jenkins would have been the uh, the other the the I can't remember the character's name now. The the, the friend in the car who keeps oh, yes. those uh, the, the, the the gangsters on the way in. Yes, the gentleman who is also in Casino Royale. He's yep. in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Kamaya. That's who it is. But when when did you guys did you guys see this film when it first came out? What, what was your first exposure to Run Lola Run? I saw it in high school. Uh, my my high school film professor teacher they didn't have professors back then uh teacher was like you know I, i'm trying to show you an interesting mix of films and if you want an inter and this is the interesting mix film because she's like this has animation and stuff shot on film and stuff shot on vhs and like ah. you know it's it's so it's got so much going on and it was definitely one of the earlier sort of like just fucking weird like ultra stylized things that I saw because I didn't watch a ton of that kind of like really hyper stylish stuff until college really and so um Run Lola Run and, and part of the reason that I was like oh my god I, I saw it on the list I was like I need to watch that movie again this is the perfect excuse is because like it, it had such a profound impact as this like early example of oh you can really do fucking anything and everything in a movie if you're good at it. Yeah, this is really packed for, it roughly runs about an hour, 20 minutes, which is something I definitely need to put a pin in because of the number 20 and how it factors into this film. But the first time I actually got to see this was in college, in my freshman year German class in college. Cause our oh. professor, our professor would show us this, these really cool things. It was like second semester, I think it was German two. And, she showed us a acapella group. There's an acapella group called the Wise Guys. So she showed us this group doing Britney Spears' Baby One More Time as an acapella group song in German. And then they had this whole spiel at the beginning where they're like, yeah, we really wrote that song and, and she made a hit out of it and it's cool. And we're still trying to get her to return our calls because we were collaborators. Like it was, they were a comedy group. Okay. But that like that was the eclectic stuff that we were shown and in between you know this video module we watched where it was about this Rom uh, romanian man named nikolai come uh, uh, i think it was or nico coming over to germany and learning german it was like all this really cool supplemental material that was helping us learn and we got to watch run lola run for one of our classes and i was just it was still recent enough that the 90s vibe was something that was in but, you know, watching it today, it's like, oh, oh, this is a beautiful flashback. Show me your 90s movie without showing me your 90s movie. And it's just no fat. Everything has its purpose and just, uh. But Matthew, your first experience with Run, Lola, Run. Well, I mean, I, I saw it when it first came out. Uh, and I haven't really watched it ever since until preparing for this. And I will say this, and I don't know if it's going to shock you guys or not. I'm actually not a big, I wasn't a big fan when it first came out. And I'm still not a big fan of the film, actually. I don't dislike it, but I am not enthralled the way other people always have been by it. That's fair. Other opinions are allowed here. We're not, you know, a dictatorship. No, no, is of course not. Is that what kind of podcast this is, where we allow for dissent? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, please. We allow for dissent. Burn it down. We agree with it. Here's my thing. And this is, it's, it's interesting. I think, Alec, the way you described it when you first saw it, too, because I'm, I, you know, for people who know me, for you guys, for you two specifically as well, I, I imagine you you know that I'm very much the type of person that I don't dislike things that are only stylistic, but I want much more depth to what I watch. And I think Run Lola Run 
tries its best to somehow fit in its story in this weird circle to what it's trying to say, but I don't think it's ending up saying much, much of anything at the end of it. I think it's more of style and nothing else. And while, while there are plenty of films that are like that, that I will enjoy, this one doesn't sit the same way with me. And I'm not using it as, I'm not using it as, as a clear uh, definitive comparison, but Alec, like you were saying earlier, it's the earliest ver memory you may have of seeing something like this that was showing film, animation, VHS, but you know, four years earlier, Oliver Stone was doing it in Natural Born Killers, and that's that depth that I was looking for under that style was still there. So that's kind of where I would rather see something like this go than to where Run Lola Run went. That's yeah, that's totally fair. You know, to to put my biases out there, I uh, my favorite movie is Assassination Nation. Um, I I love style for its own sake. Uh, like I am I am. I'm willing to forgive a lot of faults for something that is very, very stylish. And so a movie that goes as hard as Run Lola Run does is like, I, there's virtually no way I could not like it unless it, unless it was just about something that I find like morally reprehensible. Um, like, cause on some level, I agree. It's not saying a lot, but I don't think, I don't think it wants to say absolutely a, a lot. I, I I think it's trying to tell like a cool, compelling story. And so here's here's the here's the argument I want to make. And uh, this is a thing I stole from someone in college, uh, uh, like a film professor, or no, he's actually a video game historian or something. I don't remember his name. Sorry, uh, long time ago. Um, I was in my freshman year of college, I did a paper on how video games had influenced cinema. And this was, you know, more than a decade ago. So that was not something that people had really talked about in any meaningful way. You know, there were adaptations of video games, but there wasn't like the conversation about video games that had actually, like how film had been influenced. And I talked to someone who came to one of my classes, a uh, game focused class, and I asked him what he thought about it. And he said that in his mind, the first real example is Run Lola Run of, you know, and and so I don't think of Run Lola Run as a as a time loop movie, although I think there's, I, I totally understand the logic there because it, uh, but it's more like a video game movie where the, 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 the phone coming down is like a checkpoint. And then, you know, you go to the end it's like oops that didn't work out like boom reset you know but like a manual reset as opposed to sort of this this enforced yeah uh thing and so you know if you're thinking about it like that obviously uh edge of tomorrow is also like explicitly a video game movie that is also a time loop and so i you know i, I don't think I'm, I'm not gonna you know fight like the barriers of calling it one or the other but i do think that it it does feel like a movie that wouldn't exist without video games more than a mm. movie that wouldn't exist without Groundhog Day. No, that's that's true. And and to be fair, your your point of style. I mean, I I love style too, and I think no one can disagree on loving style. It depends on what style it is, though, because that's the thing with style is like everybody loves style, but Tom Tickford's style may not exactly be the same as like, you know, Edgar Wright's style or, you know, Danny Boyle's style, because going back to the point about video games, one of the earliest movies I can think of that literally consciously cribbed from that was The Beach, 
where there's that sequence where Leonardo DiCaprio is running through the, the, the jungle and it looks literally like a video game. It's pixelated and he's grabbing coins and one-ups. I, I, I can see your point that I, I like that angle to it, that, you know, it's not very explicit in its gameness, but it does very much work on those principles and work on those sort of rules. Well, I'll, here's, and here's an interesting, to, to kind of expand on that a little bit, and it's not exactly the same point you guys are making, because I believe, I actually think it's a great point that 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 person made about the idea of like the the save point or the you know the the uh you know the the checkpoint with the phone kind of landing as she as she's getting the news and deciding that she's gonna make her her run for the money but the first thing that kind of annoyed me about the film when i first saw it and when i get and when i rewatched it again because i couldn't remember most of it i had to re i had to rewatch it and get all of it refreshed is is that it almost has it almost opens up three different times because first it comes up with quotations and that the clock ticking and it's very it's very cinematic and it comes back in then all of a sudden you're in the sea of people with a security guard you know giving that little speech and then it's it's everybody who's in that crowd all of a sudden come together to spell out the name of the movie then it's introducing all the characters and it's their pictures of the, as if they were um, mug shots and their names coming on and i'm like how many times are we starting the film at this point but again it's three times just as three things reoccur in the film and i'm wondering how purposeful all of that was as well. And if that's the kind of thing that I, I still thought about while after watching it, but since I kind of got a little annoyed when I started, I wonder how much it affected my viewing of the film. This movie feels extraordinarily intentional. Uh, you know, like nothing about this feels like even remotely uh, ac accidental in the way that, you know, on, on the note of like stylistic, uh, Spring Breakers feels like I love Spring Breakers so much. That movie feels like an accident. It feels like they they shot a movie and then they're like, "Fuck it, let's make a different one in the edit," you know. Um, but this one feels like I know exactly what uh, what I'm trying to make and and how I'm going to do it. And yeah, he definitely got like six hours of Franco Patente running around, and it's like I'll figure out where where to cut this in like at any moment. Um, I think it's important to, to note that he's also like composer. So, yeah. you know, he was definitely timing all of that to like, you know, the music and, and you know, the edit. And I think, I think the music, the, while I was rewatching it, the reason that opening didn't bother me is because of the music, because it's always there just like the, you know, the Euro beat, like it just, it's always underneath it, just keeping you going forward, no matter how like, you know, there's only a couple moments where it's even sort of slow, but even in those moments, you've still like very quietly got the beat. And it's like reminding you that no, no, we're, we're still, you know, we're, we're on a, a, a quick time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you just, there's, there's not like time, like I, you know, I had to go to the bathroom when the movie started and I was like, okay, fine. I'll stop after the first loop. And then, and then, but the second one start, it started so much faster than I remembered. And so like this movie is even like, I remembered it being fast and it is even faster. Uh, and so it's just like, oh, by, by the time I like thought about it, she was already halfway down the stairs. And I was like, oh fuck, I guess I'm just, I'm just here sitting in this for a while. <laughs> and Alec, uh, thanks to your commentary on games and gamesmanship, I just had sort of an epiphany one of the quotes that opens the film is after the game is before the game. So with that, 
And then the analogy of sort of soccer in the beginning with the security guard. This is this pretty much is a game. They are setting up a game. They are showing you the pieces. They are showing you the components. And then once this gets started, all that's just in your mind. It's like, okay, we're taking off from this point. We're going to give you as much as we can here. And then you just got to work with this from this point on. I'm going to throw a wrench into the whole theory again now, though. Because there is part of the film that makes me want to believe that it's trying to show me what what we'll refer to now since it's such a popular thing, especially with all the MCU and Loki stuff. Each version is just an alternate timeline. Because as she runs by all these random people and she knocks into them, we see images of what led them to that point where their life goes after. And each time it changes. Well, yeah, because the actions change each time. Yeah, I understand that, but just because the actions for her change doesn't mean their entire life should change also. It's not as if I was playing Super Mario Brothers, died, came back to the start, everything's always the same except for where I may go. So if it, were, if it was that game theory, why would their lives change? Why would their lives be different? Because NPCs have such complex programming that the slightest action can send them on a different path. Yeah, this is 1998. There was no open world. There was no Grand Theft Auto. There, there was no um, Elder Scrolls. Um, yeah, there was. When did Morrowind come out? Morrowind was like 2000. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, the, that whole, is Grand Theft Auto 3 was out in 01, but by then there was like two other Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, but there were different games. They were, they were, they were top down, completely different. There was still the concept of open worlds where NPCs. It wasn't, the, what is it, wasn't the pop, it wasn't the popular thing it is today. It wasn't in but the in Europe, in Europe, they were way more focused on PCs okay. than they were here. Like, so PC games were much more popular in Europe than they were. Uh, like then you know consoles were bigger here but pcs were more of a thing i know this honestly i didn't know that until this weekend uh when i was listening to uh the insert credit podcast sorry for plugging someone else's podcast no, no, on your podcast. Well, I've plenty of times before um the insert credit podcast is great and they were talking about uh british um like the best british games and they were talking about how the big thing is that they're they were really like PC focused. And I mean, I guess I'm projecting that that was also the rest of Europe, but it tracks. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff just, you know, not everything gets localized to German. There are also there's, there's sensors there for the longest time were much stricter than, than they were right. now. And on some level, they still. They still are, yeah. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Wolfenstein in Germany will not be the same as it is out in, in the rest of the world for obvious reasons because of the yeah. Nazi iconography. In the same breath, talking about you know, style versus story, it seems that she somehow retains some information each time, but it doesn't affect her to change the decision. I, I know she's on a 20 minute time clock. It's a lot different, but she seems to retain certain things. She remembers then, the, the safety, for example. Yeah, and, and it doesn't, but doesn't seem to act on them. Other than the safety. I mean, the, and I, I think that's a, a good point though, in my mind, it, it was sort of like, oh, she's just not very good at this game. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, going back to, uh, you know, Edge of Tomorrow, he clearly goes through like hundreds yeah. of permutations. And, you know, you just know we're not seeing things and we see a handful and it's like she's, you know, she's gone through this game now three times or, you know, twice. Uh, she's just clearly not very good at it yet. And, and you know, if this movie was four hours long, by the end of it, she would be speed running that shit, right? But, but I, no, I think that's a totally, you know, I, I think that's fair. Um, and on some level, if she didn't do the, the thing with the gun, uh, it would be harder to argue because she doesn't really change dramatically uh, 
from time to time. It is in a lot of ways like external, although she does know to jump over the dog in the third, um, in the third one also. But like by and large, like the changes are largely like uh, she's reacting to things um, as opposed to like really doing, doing the, the, the stuff um, that, that, that shifts. Although that even that's not entirely true i mean obviously she is the one who decides to go into the casino and do that whole fucking thing uh and, and i mean speaking of like bonker you know bonkers video game shit, yeah well like, that's what i was gonna ask next yeah it's uh, like that is that like her ultimate she has to wait for the, the bar to fill up where she could use it again right. and why does it stop a roulette roulette wheel Ola is a mutant <laughs> I, I mean everything everything I, I i just like i really love um just how far it goes into everything and and so you know as far as the intros go part of me feels like you know the three intros were like he's like oh wait i have this cool effect guys guys listen like i'm gonna show the people uh but everyone else is gonna be like blurry like i I figured out how to do an effect where everyone is blurry like it almost feels like a film school thing Mm. but not in a bad way but also in just like look at these cool effects that i know how to do like i can put you know, I can put their faces on and then, you know, their, their names will like fall into screen and like, oh, I can do a CGI uh, uh, soccer ball and I'm going to kick that into the air and then everyone's going to do it. And it's going to be, everyone's going to be like, wow, you're so cool. And, and uh, he's right. Everyone is like, dude, you're so cool. Except for you, Matt. Um, But everyone else uh, thinks he's really cool. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Uh, not so hot, Tom. Matthew Shuckman of My Opinion Monthly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, all right. So then I have one other big thing that jumps out of me over, over everything else. Because again, I get I get the the reference, I guess, if you want to call it a reference. And the, but for the movie that's trying to be so stylistic, to have to fall back on such an old cliche gag of the guys carrying a pane of glass randomly across the street is just so beyond me. It's like why that was the choice to go with. Like, I feel like, oh, well, we got to do, uh, the ambulance can't go because there's guys carrying glass. It's like, it seemed like a, it seemed like a weak choice. I think that's fair. But at the same time, he also uh, runs over a person and it just like, you know, and why would and, you run over a person? Couldn't they have run over something else? Uh, no, but like you know, it's it's in in that particular loop. It's like emphasizing that this dude's just not very good at stopping his car. You know, fair, but also it is it is like tense and kind of exciting to see a car not hit like a pane <laughs> of glass. Like like that that moment where you don't know like is it going to stop? Because you have to imagine that you know there were times where he just straight up missed and like, there's a lot more broken glass where that came from. Cause like one of those stops is like three inches from the pain. And it's like, yeah. you know, I think uh, it's the first one actually, if I remember correctly. I think it's the first one. The second one breaks. The first yeah. one is the first, the first and third get really close. And then I think the first one does like the one like is like right there. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, the third one is also like super close, but yeah, not, not quite. But then the second one, just like poof. seeing glass, explode like that is just kind of a cool visual. I also think on some level it's not, uh, this movie clearly doesn't have a particularly large budget and shattering glass is probably like the cheapest sort of yeah. effect you're going to get that that can have that. And I think, uh, I mean, 
the the sort of weird thing about the double intro is it really emphasizes how few people are in the movie is because you see the characters you know the like all of the supporting cast uh and then you see like all of the names and you're like oh that was all of those characters and then like four more people this is a very very small movie and not in a bad way but it it really does sort of emphasize how contained everything is in a way that you don't often see. I don't think movies don't usually call attention to how limited their casts are. I see. I think it's actually a fairly large cast for this type of film, which is that you only see so many of the characters for so much time because really they're not there for very long. I mean, I'm not saying it's not like a three person movie. Um, although it's really, it's basically four people who have more than like 10 lines of dialogue, right? The fact that they can show all of the bit players in a two minute intro, like intro credits mm. and like show their mug shots and everything, you know, there's just, there's not a lot, but what I do like about that, it tells you who to focus on. Uh, it tells you who the movie cares about. Uh, and so when you see that person, you're like, oh, okay. So what are, what are they doing? And oftentimes it's very little. It is a cool, or at least an interesting, if not as a like, cool way to uh, sort of prime you for like, <laughs> these are the people who matter in this story. Uh, everyone else is just like background noise. And if you didn't get that before the movie, you get it when you see those really cool montages where you basically see the rest of these people's lives play out in these very quick snapshots because even though the movie is very interested in telling you about everyone, it's like, okay, no, the movie, the, the story's still going. No, stay with me here. This is what happens because of that. Remember that we're going to see something very different the next time around. Again, I'm still amazed how much Tom Tickler packs into a film that's still pretty much shorter compared to most other films of the era or even just films in general. Like normally you go see a movie and it can be anywhere between an hour and a half or two hours. And then sometimes you've got, you know, the two and a half hours, the three hours, or you've got the 70 minute movies. And, you know, it's a, a lot of people like to debate the proper runtime of a film, especially because I'm tired of seeing tweets where it's like, oh, this movie's an hour and a half. They made it with me and mine. It's like one of my colleagues always likes to quote Roger Ebert in that instance where it's like a good movie can never be long enough and a bad movie can never be short enough. Just go with the length and in terms of an hour and 19 minutes and change, Run Lola Run does quite a bit with that time. See, see, that's exactly the reason I don't like knowing a runtime if I could avoid it. Like sometimes you have to know because like, oh, I gotta be somewhere and it, you, you need to be aware of it. But yes. not knowing is better because it could be a four hour movie and feel like it's over like that. And it could be an hour and a half movie. It feels like it drags on forever because they're not doing things right. If things are done right, the flow will feel natural and you'll feel okay and you won't care. Oh yeah, and I think that this definitely does it right. I think that you didn't need to be over an hour and 20 minutes for this unless you wanna throw another scenario or maybe maybe pad it, maybe like a little bit more to bring it to the hour and a half if you really wanted to. But even then, I think that kind of would have thrown them off because there's this theme of the number 20 throughout this. Like Lola goes into the casino, you see uh, uh, 20. 20 uh, plaques are number. You see the 20, 20 is the plaque. Uh, you see the Deutschmark is like the $20 denomination or the 20 Deutschmark denomination. The whole thing is built around this 20 minute period that they have to 
you know, bring this money to this location or else. And then even the fact that it's an hour, 20 minutes, you've got three different repetitions plus all the other padding that goes into there. That's four denominations of 20. You know, I'm just, I'm looking it up though because I want to make sure I'm not going crazy because it's, you know, with, with, with the European Union, it's, it's so long as I've heard Deutschmark almost sometimes that I'm like, does anybody even say it anymore? Is it being, even being used? I'm making sure I haven't lost myself if it's, you know. I think, well, I, that's what I saw in, in the wiki and I think it even says a Deutschmark on there. It wasn't the Euro yet. Oh no, the, back then it was. No, it was definitely still 98. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I, I'm just saying because it was still at that point, there are people who can watch it today going like, why do they keep saying Mark? <laughs> I know, I know. I think it's the just... bigger problem is like, I have no idea how much a Deutschmark is. So like when it's like, okay, he's down a hundred thousand Deutsch. I mean, that's, you have to assume that's a lot. Let's uh, see. That's, let's just basically, see. that's just basically sort of like, we say a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. It's like people automatically kind of assume that as a one for one. Like yeah. it's like, no matter what, they, people don't pay attention to the currency. It's like, oh, wow, a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but at this, you know, like Korea, like curious. one won, one thousand won is like a dollar. And I'm so, looking at the 1998 exchange rates. Okay, if you see, you know, in a Korean movie, it's like, oh no, we need a hundred thousand won. It's like, oh, that's like ninety dollars. Like that's, you know, and 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 so I've de- I've seen movies that have like uh, completely ignored, you know, so, sometimes the translator will be like, oh, okay, you know, whatever, I will, I will say, you know, this is 600,000 won. Other times they'll just be like, it's a million bucks. Like, cause, cause who cares? You know, <laughs> the, the point is that it's a lot of money. Like the, this, the specific amount of money virtually never matters. You know, it's, it's always just like a, too much money. You know, counting on the sticker shock where it's like, yeah. oh my God, a million, uh, a million Deutschmarks. And then it's like, oh, a million Deutschmarks is this? What? You know, if you're broke, you know, it could be $250. Like, not everyone has $250 that they can get yeah. in 20 minutes. Like, you oh, know. yeah. And plus, you just set that stake. And then no matter what, like, if a person needs a dollar in 20 minutes and you can only come up with 90 cents, like, literally, that before that last bet, she is 10 cents or whatever the equivalent was in Deutschmark, she was 10 cents short of a hundred uh a hundred Deutschmarks. In in the time that the film was released here in the US, so in June, July of 1998. Ooh, very specific. One US dollar was fluctuated between 1.8 and 1.7 Deutschmarks. Oh, so it was it was That's around yeah. one for one, but not yes, yeah, so it was it was close enough. That's yeah. almost that's almost two to one though. That's getting close. So you said a dollar and eighteen cents. You said no, one point eight. So one. Oh, well, oh, okay, yeah, oh yeah. Then that's wow, ladies and gentlemen. We a lot of money. Say that overdue rentals uh, advocates proper exchange rates, <laughs> as well as historical, uh, well, historical exchange rates. Basically, uh, know your money, folks, and know your time because time is money. Going back to that idea of people watching it maybe today, saying like you know like. Look, I get it. You know, people are going to understand. You know, like you'd have to be really out there not to understand they're talking about money, you know, if, if you didn't know about the Deutschmark. But going back to that idea, though, of the, the video game aspect of it, though, do you feel that maybe audiences now, younger audiences, would actually be more drawn to it because of that? Because video game culture is a lot bigger now, or even if it was a remake, that there may be a bigger audience for this kind of thing now. I think that they would actually, no, you know what? I actually think that, the thing that would turn off a younger audience might be the picture quality. 
And I know it's a weird thing to throw out there, but it's kind of like how some people mention that their kids won't even watch black and white movies. And it's like, you really have to sort of prime a younger audience and say, look, this is an older film. It's going to look different. It's not going to look as shiny as these movies that you're used to. But as far as the mechanics are concerned, I don't think they, they would really have a problem. In fact, it's, you know, it's still very visually arresting. I mean- Well, that's what, what I'm saying. Do you think that it's, it's, it's something that audiences now would be easier for them to sit through because of the mechanics, because that's more yeah. of the style. And plus it's still visually arresting that after over 20 years, the, the thing that I still remember from this is Franca Potente in her outfit with the shocking red hair. Like you go a couple of years into the future, they kind of tip their hat to that, I think, an alias. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but just you didn't see a lot of shocking red hair protagonists outside of like an anime. And yet here's this live action movie with a woman that has this like bright, fiery hair. So I spend an absurd amount of time on TikTok, right? So I could probably speak better to Gen Z's aesthetic interests. Uh, and you know, we get it, you're English. a youth. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I'm a lot older than all these people's videos I'm watching, but it's fine. Um, the uh, not like act. I'm not like looking up young people on TikTok. Let's be very clear about that. The NSA uh, understands. Yeah, the TikTok just like thinks I'm a bisexual woman in her early twenties. Whatever, maybe I am. I it's fine. This is gold. <laughs> Um, anyway, no, but, but my point about TikTok, so I have this on Blu-ray, so I watched it on Blu-ray. So I, you know, I think most of, I mean, most of the movie looks gorgeous, I think, except for like the parts that are shot on VHS. And so like, I could see someone being like, when it gets to the VHS portion being like, ew, this is ugly. But at the same time, because that's not how it starts, I think people would be like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like this, this little, you know, filter effect, because there is definitely nostalgia for the 90s hmm. from people who were not alive in the 90s like that like filter. uh and so you know you know you see people on tiktok using like vhs filters and yeah. being like i i am so cool like why did people ever stop using vhs and, and they like, even just use it for like early aughts nostalgia like you, yeah. there was that one meme that was running around where like Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You transitions into Paramore's Misery Business. And then the kids are like, this is what I, or younger people, not, not even kids. They're like, this is what I'm like now. And then camcorder filter, Paramore, this is what I was like in 2007. Right. Good For You is such a good song, by the way. Like, uh, honestly, Sour as an album, very good. Okay. Uh, Cut his mic. Cut his mic. <laughs> Oh, so that's I've, the, I've, that's I've the disagreement. So I, can't, I can't comment. It's she's like, what? I'm not going to sing it for you. I like it's, it it's you better when it was called Misery Business. Uh, I honestly, uh, I I like Good for You better because Misery Business uh, is is problematic, and that's why Haley Williams doesn't sing it anymore. This is this is a a discussion that definitely could be had. <laughs> it is definitely a discussion that could be had, preferably with female companies, so it's not just a bunch of white guys talking about you know singing ladies. My my goal in life. Uh, this I decided this during the last year, uh, and I'm not calling you a boomer. Let's just be very clear to preempt what I'm about to say, is uh, to never be one of those people who's like, oh, kids these days. And so part of the reason I like watch a lot of TikTok is because it's very fun. Uh, and I'm on like the perfect Absolutely. part of TikTok. But also I'm like trying to sort of, 
I recently actually, I've had a lot of examples of points where I'm like, oh God, I feel so old. These people, like, I don't, I don't get it, but, but I'm making, I'm making a concerted effort to never be like, but that's a bad thing. It's like, I don't get it, but fuck yeah. These, can I swear? Did I, have I been swearing this whole time? Yeah, don't worry. We can put a little, okay. Uh, you know, like, you know, that's awesome. If I don't get it, like it's because they're doing something cool and I'm dumb, not, not I am cool and they're dumb for being past me. No, Um, that is absolutely correct. That's, that's part of why I enjoy the platform as well, because, you know, there's so many people that there's so many people from different spectrums of life that are on TikTok that use the platform to say, Hey, I was born with this, or I am this. And it's people that are identifying as different groups, different ethnicities, Mm -hmm. coming from all walks. And I love the fact that a lot of the feeds that I've found on TikTok are these people that I can learn about because, you know, there's a lot of trans people, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. from different gender fluidities. And it's like, okay, I want to learn about this because I don't want it's, it's exactly what you said like i don't want to be uh clint eastwood and gran torino sitting on the lawn like, <laughs> or just clint eastwood period oh yeah it's like oh this chair i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm going to now be that person and not and in, a different, in a different eastwood? way in a different way in a different way because what kills me when i see these things are and this is this is going to sound really stupid and everybody's going to sigh and, and groan at me because i'm watching all of these these people who who have never studied film or video editing and all this stuff. And they're learning all these things and they're doing them. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, that was discovered like 75 years ago, whatever it is, it doesn't make a difference. But like, they they all constantly cross the line and they're all talking to the back of their heads if you edit it together pro- improperly. And it kills me every time I see it. <laughs> well, that's not something they get canceled over. I know, no, I'm, I'm just it's like, oh, I'm falling this way. And all of a sudden when I land, I'm going this way. And I'm like, oh my God, no, you can't do that. You can't do it. I thought you were going to say something like, oh, I can't stand these kids and they're, you know, liberals and, you know. No, it's every time I see it, it's like, let me show you how to do this. That's okay. That's that's not so much get off my lawn. That's okay. Don't break the 180 degrees. That's what I was was trying to say, but you guys kept yelling at me every time I was trying to explain it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the one one case where it's like, uh, I, I, um, you know, so my my feed has been very heavily uh, Bo Burnham inside influenced uh i still know. need to watch that i have i have an hour-long review of it for you to watch after you watch the video it just passed a hundred thousand views on youtube so i like, need to watch your video um, alec made us some content pretty much it's it's a lot a video is a lot um but you know there, there was like one one kid who was like there's a reference to uh the baby from a racer head uh bo burnham says his his dick looks like the baby from a racer head and good joke, right? Uh, and someone posted a TikTok that was like, jokes you missed in Inside. You know, the baby from Eraserhead is actually a thing. Here's a picture of it. And uh, it's like, what? Like, yeah. you know, and, and that's where it's like, you know, ugh, kids these days in a oh, yeah. sort of like, way. It's like- Did you, you know that the Lone Pines Mall in Back to the Future <sighs> was the Twin Pines Mall? Did it, did you know that uh, that kids who were born in the 2000s called the 90s the late 1900s? Are you fucking serious? Yeah. Sorry to tell you that. I was very upset when I learned that. 
the late so run lola run is apparently a, a classic that can be certified in the library of congress now and is an artifact that should be preserved because it happened in the late 1900s yeah, let's let's, let's uh, i'm sorry guys i know we've been talking for a while now we got to restart today we're talking about a film from the late 1900s run lola run oh my god it was based off a daguerreotype by louis lamore and that, I really don't know what I'm That's going to be in the description. The description is today we're talking about the late 1900s film, Run, Lola, Run. Oh, us late 1900s guys. No, it's, it's, it's very strange. I mean, again, like, I, I watch all this stuff and if, I feel very weird about it because, yes, obviously I grew up in a time and I'm learning about things that happened before my time and I discover them at a certain age. And I think maybe, oh, I want to share this with somebody. And then you share with somebody like, yeah, I knew about that. And this is, I'm talking about like in the nineties when I, when mm -hmm. I would discover things, you know? Right. Um, but it's weird why, I think it's weirder now because of the internet, because you're watching a totally saturated group of people oversaturating themselves constantly. And it's just like, and it's regurgitated. Cause if you go to Reddit, I mean, everybody knows you go to Reddit, one person posts one thing, before Reddit existed, and now it shows up on Reddit every day, as if like, oh my God, guys, look what I found. Like, yeah, we knew about that 10 years ago. That picture was big on the internet 10 years ago, and you're just refinding it now. And then there's somebody two weeks from now who is gonna see that picture and saying, oh my God, guys, look what I found. And it just keeps going on in this cycle, and it's kind of maddening. And it makes you wonder, you know, at what, you know, I, I totally think that Run Lola Run could like have a resurgence. Like you could totally clip part of that movie, put it on TikTok, and and like some someone would just be like, "What the fuck is this? This is yeah. cool as hell." You know, I, I like. There's a lot of moments in that movie where you're just like, "Whoa!" Like that's oh, that's the TikTok, Matt. I told you we need a TikTok because the the idea of the show would work so well with that. Yeah, but we don't. Have, we have to figure out how to how to. Well, we'll, we'll maybe we'll start with Run Lola Run. Hell yeah. Because uh, like, yeah, I, I, it totally feels like one of those things that could just be sort of uh, perpetuate. I found out, so part of the reason I'm thinking about this is I found out that someone made a TikTok about me, right? Oh. About a video, about my inside video actually, or it was inspired by my inside video. And that TikTok has more likes than my YouTube channel has views. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fucking wild. Like this, the, and uh, honestly, it, the idea, the thought wasn't that profound and I'm pretty sure I took it from someone, but I have no idea who, um, but it was very odd to, to like find out that this had happened. Cause you know, people, you know, people who like me and like people who are quote unquote fans of, of my channel will post shit on places and be like, Hey, I like this guy's stuff. But this person who is completely disconnected from that like group of like I have like basically a group of hardcore fans. It's very strange. It is really diverse. You know, I know them and and you know, have, seeing people sort of outside of that small group like talk about my shit is really weird. Um, and but it is kind of cool to like see me in someone else's TikTok. Yeah, uh, like and be like, oh hey, I know that guy. <laughs> he looks very familiar. Was it right? something you stumbled upon because somebody pointed out to you? So, uh, someone. So th this has happened a couple times, not exactly like this. Um, every once in a while, one of my videos will like pop off, and someone will be like, "Who's here from TikTok?" And every time that happens, I'm like, "Why? Like what? Like what happened on TikTok that?" inspired it so historically it's because my video about solo or the 120 days of sodom basically like every 
three or four months, someone would would do a TikTok about Solo and be like, man, this movie's so gross. And then people would go look up Solo. And for a while, if you looked up Solo or the 120 Days of Sodom, my face was the first thing on YouTube for that. And John Waters just did a, uh, a segment on NPR about it. Um, now, unfortunately, other people have overtaken me in the search results. So my, 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 th those have gone down. But what's going to happen is 15 years from now, when there's another platform that we don't know about yet, somebody's going to post something completely random. And then your comments are going to be like, who's still here in 2035, you know, doing this, you know, because that's all you see that. it all the time. Or yeah, like, you do. I, I, I'm here because of Spider-Man 12, you know, cause something's going to get mentioned in there and then everybody's going to go find out about it. And it's just, so, it's so strange sometimes when you see it, like, I, I will tell you before I even knew. So what I'm talking about now, we're talking about early 2000s because I didn't watch Breaking Bad when it first aired. And I did not know they hired Bob Odenkirk. And I'm a massive Mr. Show fanatic from when it first aired. And I'm obsessed with the guy from back when he was on Ben Stiller's show and Saturday Night Live and all his other stuff. So I'm sitting on, I'm like, oh, you know, I really missed that one sketch and my DVDs weren't available. So I would pull up this Mr. Show sketch on YouTube. It's like, so good, man. Oh my God. And I'm like, what the fuck are people talking? What are they talking about? And all of a sudden, one day it's overcome. Now, Bob Odenkirk is Saul Goodman. That's it. And there's nothing else that exists other than that, apparently. And it just, it just blows my mind the way that these things go in, you know, pendulum swings. Well, what's also interesting is Run Lola Run for that brief window of time was probably what most people knew Franca Potente from. Well, that's, and that's now what... we look back and what do we know Franca Potente from? She was in the Bourne trilogy. Well, yeah. that's that's the thing. Like that, she... She absolutely got that job because of Run Little Run. Not saying she wouldn't have gotten it anyway, but Run Little Run pushed her into that. That's oh, yeah. where people know her from. She's Maria from 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 the first Born film. If people and a really good episode of House too. She's in a fantastic episode of House with Lin Manuel she's Miranda. In, she's in tons of stuff that people have probably randomly seen her and don't even realize. Um, she's super talented. I had a this is this is a weird. Uh, so as I said, I first saw Run Little Run in high school. I really really liked it. And um, I liked it so much that I, uh, my, my, like the, my girlfriend in senior year uh, literally sent Franca Potente a letter oh. that said, will you come to my boyfriend's graduation? And uh, we got back a signed postcard that said like, no, but thanks. <laughs> but it was like, a, it was like a signed, you know, so like, I don't know if I still have it. I, I probably do somewhere like in my childhood bedroom. Uh, but like, I, I had like a signed card from Franca Potente because uh, like, which is just like a nice thing to do. Like she did not have to respond to this like weird letter. If, and if frankly, if I had said, hey, do you want to come to my graduation? She would have not responded. It was probably because like my girlfriend did that without talking to me about it. She was just like, hey, this is a thing I did. I was like, that's really weird. You never know. I mean, because again, that's this is the Run Lola Run bought her international attention. Not saying people didn't know about her before, mm -hmm. but most of the people, especially in the States, didn't know her until Run Lola Run. So the fact that that's bringing her a lot of attention, you know, no matter what she got, unless you sent her like, you know, hair clippings or something like that, that would be a different story. Yeah. Uh, not, not that I, I mean, I didn't see the letter. Like maybe she fucking put some maybe locks she, of hair in there. You're, but, you're uh, some of his pubic hair. Fumed it and like put in a ransom note, but yeah. Gentlemen, 
I wish we could talk longer, actually. But I think I think we have to I think we have to go on to, to more stuff. So Alec, where can people find you if they need to find you? Uh youtube.com slash the week I review or Twitter and tiktok.com slash Alec JKM. I do a 30 second hot take of every single movie I watch on TikTok. So uh you know, that's uh, that's the that's where I do stuff. Uh, but th- thank you, thank you, folks, for having me on. This was this was lovely. Uh, Alec, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, again, still on the still on the invite backlist because man, you were you're just one of those sharp kids, and you know, I just need to give you some advice here for a minute. If you could just stay on while we're done here. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. We'll talk to you. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon. Have a good one, man. Bye. Thanks to Alec Kubla's Meyer for you know joining us and wow man I I I mean I, I got a great vibe off of him when he came in but just the law lo- it's one of those things where the longer you talk to someone the the the, the cooler it feels and just I I really did enjoy speaking with him yeah no Alex Alex's a great guy and he's one of these people that I for you know for most almost all the time talk to him on a regular basis but then we go through like like a, a, a glut not a glut excuse me. Uh, a, an absence where there's like three months where for some reason we don't see each other or don't talk to each other or like that. And then all of a sudden we're back into it and then it's just, you know, it keeps going. So it's, it's always great to be able to talk to him. And um, actually I used to always, after every week after one of his posts would go up on YouTube, I used to always respond about it. Uh, but then there were things like, you know, I didn't get to see what he was talking about in time. So, so I, I didn't want to talk to him because I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to ruin it. So I have to wait, you know, but um it's great to have him here to talk about anything, but yeah, I, again, even though I'm not the biggest fan of run Lola run, it is literally the exact type of film that we want to focus on here because again, it's, it was everywhere. Just like what four, five years later with, with Amelie. Maybe it was three yeah, years oh later, yeah. Three years later with Amelie, we're like, that was, and, and you know, I'm just, I'm using Amelie as an example because it's another, you know, foreign film for us U.S. Oh, yeah, you know, because some people, people considered it like the shorthand for pretentious indie, like, oh, this is the one that you have to see. But then there were people that were literally like, look, you have to see this. Yeah. Was, because there, there was those two different camps where it's always the people that legitimately throw their heart into it versus, okay, I need to be indie. What are the indie people talking about? And you just so happen to throw a, a dart. It would be, yeah, but it was it was almost bigger than that too because there was just it was even not people trying to persuade you to see it. It was just like everybody talked about it. It's like oh my god, you see it yeah. with the huge ads in the New York Times about how many awards it was nominated for, and and all the all the you know the comments of people talking about it. You know, again, being referenced in other pop culture that is massive. It just it was on everybody's lips, and now it just seemingly has fallen into the ether. Not that people don't yeah. talk about it still, but not to the level. And it's like when people hear about it, it is it's that it's that new discovery. It's that thing that's going to show up in the Reddit posts every day. It's like, have you guys seen this movie? Oh my god, uh, nobody knows about it, but I saw it. And then they post it. I'm like, yeah, everybody knows about it. Everybody talk about it. You you just discovered it. <laughs> well, that's why I've I've always been sad about the not the basically the the theory that a movie's opening weekend is make or break. Yeah. Because that's just merely a monetary thing. People need to stop. I mean, if you, unless you're a studio head, you need to, st- you need to just go and watch the movie. If you want to go watch the movie, don't watch it because it's the most popular thing because 
just because you're number one, you could be the number one comedy in America and you're not a really funny movie. It's just, you're a genre that happened to open that weekend. Well, you're also getting the the strange circumstances here where it was like, what, two weeks out in the box office and the greatest showman on earth, or the greatest showman, excuse me, did did like nothing. It was like, that was the bomb. And all of a sudden, here comes the and everybody's seeing it and it's the greatest thing ever made. Knives Out had legs and made a fantastic amount of money. Yeah. And, and it wasn't, it didn't have to wait till it hit the home video market or anything like that. It was just, yeah, it just took its time running up to the line for some reason, you know, it's, you know, things happen. Yeah. And it ultimately, if it bombs or if it soars, the one thing that will make a film successful in the end is if you get enough people, even if you just got one person to hand it off to someone else and say, look, you need to see this. And that is definitely just, that is what we here at Overdue Rentals love to put out into the world because everywhere there is, there that you can always count on someone having a stack of at least five movies where it's like, do you, 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 what you're asking me for a recommendation. Like, I love that whenever it's either friends or just a (laughs) random person, like, what should I watch tonight? It's like, do you have Netflix? Do you like Dan Stevens? Do you want to watch the guest? Do you want to watch the guest? You want to watch the guest? Or, hey, um, do you want to watch uh, Mistress on HBO Max? Because I can tell you that Robert Wool has not only been a guest on a podcast called Overdue Rentals, but it is genuinely a good film about inside baseball with Hollywood and the obsession of filmmaking. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of them out there. We're not going to be able to eventually talk about them all. Hopefully we will, but we're going to talk about a whole lot of them. So join us again for right now. Make sure you check off Run Lola Run from your Overdue Rentals list. And Mike, where can everyone find us? Oh, that's a very good question because uh, still no TikTok, but after Alec, uh, we may have to change that. But you can find us on Twitter at Rentals Overdue, on Facebook at Overdue Rentals, on Instagram at Overdue Rentals Show, and you can always email us with your own comments, concerns, questions, uh, time loop theories, or just an overdue rental you'd like to see us cover at overdurentals at gmail.com. But of course, you can find our podcast on anchor.fm or wherever you find fine podcasts. Like, subscribe, give us a review. Let us know what we can do to make you feel more comfortable in this little video store that we call Overdue Rentals. Blah bye. Blah bye.